make sure that I'm eating enough. You've got all the things. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And that's probably what caused them all. Right, right. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, welcoming back to your ear holes, your hosts for the Basically Being Better podcast, Rachel and Abby. Hey everyone and welcome back to Basically Being Better. I'm Rachel. And I'm Abby. And tonight we have a special guest. Yay! (laughs) She's back! (laughs) Yeah. Welcome, Dana. Thanks, guys, and thanks for having me back on. Oh, anytime. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so exciting having someone to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's always exciting to come somewhere different for a moment. So, I don't know if you guys listened to the episode early in the year where we um, talked to Dana about finding your beauty. Um, go back and have a listen. It's a really great episode. I think we called it wellness strategies think, yeah. or something like that. I think that's yeah. Yeah, wellness strategies. Um, but tonight we're going to be chatting endometriosis. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it's kind of a good lead-in actually about my last podcast because the Finding Your Beauty kind of was driven right from um, uh, having endometriosis. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a really nice tie back. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so I think maybe the best way to start is to just ask, tell us about your journey with endometriosis. Yeah, sure thing. Um, some of you, oh, the people who have probably searched this are thinking, I know what endometriosis is because I've searched it, but yeah. others who maybe have listened to it, are listening to it and have never heard of it. Um, yeah, it's not that well researched and um, yeah, it's a pretty challenging, painful, chronic condition that um, actually I've learned over the last couple of years that um, many women struggle with. Um, and it's really hard to get diagnosed with as well. Like mm. it can take some women up to 10 years um, because doctors just, um, you know, write it off as really bad period pain or whatever. Um, and the only way to diagnose it is get a surgery. Yeah. Um, so it to is. To diagnose it, you have to get yeah, surgery. Yeah. Wow. Which is um, challenging on our um, public health system yeah, if yes. um, people don't have private health. So, yeah, it is really challenging. Um, and the, I think the states in New Zealand, or I can't, can't remember even if it's across the world, that one in 10 women do have it. So yeah. it's not a huge number, um, but it is still a, like a substantial number mm. of people. Yeah, um, it is. I was first diagnosed when I was 17. So I got my period when I was 11 and it, I don't know, like my first couple of experiences with having my period, it wasn't regular because, you know, when you're Mm. young, it can take some time to get regular, but it was uncomfortable and then, um, but also painful, but because I was quite a sensitive person, my nickname was Waterworks when I was young by my sister, um, you know, I love that, I was a sensitive person, um, and I would cry with the pain and stuff, and mum would just you know comfort me and things like that but um yeah so we didn't really think of anything of it it was just period pain and that's what we did but a couple of years down the track when I was 13 I moved in with my um dad and um he didn't find it quite so normal <laughs> yeah. um and it actually the pain grew worse over time right. um and my poor dad who worked play hard because he was renovating the house and also had a full-time job um was kept up hours and hours through the night with just me crying and pain and I would yeah. often faint and vomit and wow. um I he was a sick for you have to go to school no matter what if you're sick you don't take sick days yeah, yeah. um and so I just battled through school with um really bad period pain and really heavy periods which is uncomfortable in itself yeah. um so yeah then it just continued on that way and dad kind of picked up the fact that this really isn't normal so we went and saw a gynecologist here and things um and she actually yeah 
did take it into consideration that um, I did have endometriosis. So the gynecologist at the time was sort of what they would call a specialist in endometriosis because she was the only one who actually was looking into it back then. So I'm 32 now, so that was back when I was um, 17. So from the time of 13 to 17, I was just living like, these painful periods, trying to play sport, trying to live a teenage happy life. And um, it was great when I didn't have it, but when Mm. I did have it, it was just so challenging um, for the whole um, time. And then, yeah, so I had my first surgery when I was 17 and they found, um, it was like stage three endometriosis. And so back then um, it was through the public system and I had what was called an albation I think it's elevation surgery where they just burn the endometriosis. They don't actually um, like do excisions where it's cut out. Um, And so it didn't make much of a difference, to be honest. And, um, well, I didn't notice much of a difference. And quite soon after, that same gynecologist went on, um, tried to go on the emergency contraceptive pill because that was back then, you know, and they still do it these days mm-hmm. is that's how you manage it because you you don't get the pain and yeah. some women will still get the pain. But back then it was, this is what we try. So I tried um, a variety of those and one gave me hives, another one made me vomit. So there's that sensitivity thing, obviously <laughs> sensitive to extra hormones and things into my body anyway. Um, then we went down the route of um, taking the oral form of Provera to stop my period completely. Um, back then I wouldn't, I had no idea about um, mm. the effects that this would no, have had. No. Um, I just went with it because it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't totally. get my period anymore. Yeah. I was 17 and I was like, yes, this is awesome. I can go away on sports trips and camps and things and yeah. I just didn't have to worry at all whether it was going to come at that time or yeah. um, anything like that. So, yeah. And just to avoid that yeah. pain, you'd do anything, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, especially at like, such a young age like that where you go with what you're what you're told and what works yeah. yeah definitely I didn't notice any side effects at the time I wasn't really that in tune with my body back then anyway um I did get really bad cystic acne though and I've never suffered suffered from acne um in my life and that was just a side effect of not producing the right hormones yeah. um so then I just took another yeah. <laughs> pill to help that um but yeah it was about five years down the track when I was 22 and things started just feeling a little bit weird and not quite right and um I started getting into like um a bit of depression and stuff um and my doctor at the time which was a different doctor because I was living over in Nelson um said that it could be a side effect of the um pill that I was taking the Provera um so I went off that and my period still didn't arrive back so I didn't have my period for about 11 years which at the um time was awesome because I didn't really have to worry about it but half of that time I was like really under stress and underweight and that was actually the biggest contributor to um why I wasn't getting my period back then Mm. um and then in about 2016 I um went I did an e-course with her name's a holistic nutritionist, but she's just recently passed away, mm. um, and to heal hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is what I had at the time. Um, and yeah, so it took me about nine months to get my period um, back and about 10 kg of weight gain yeah. um, and very imbalanced hormones due to the fact that I hadn't had my period for 11 years and I had no idea what this um, pill was doing to me yeah. or whatever. Um, so yeah. My biggest lesson learned from that is um, really do your research and make sure it fits well with you because yeah. um, there's heaps more research out now about mm. that kind of thing and your different options and things. So if you are struggling with painful periods and things and you're going down the route of getting diagnosed, like definitely just do your research around around it. And also if the doctor keeps palming you off, just push, keep pushing for that. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, be your own advocate. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And if one doctor's and not not like is just Listening. palming you off, go to someone else mm. or try someone yes, different. Yes, definitely. Cause, mm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've just um, 
over the last two years, I've, I have terrible period pain. Like, I've got no sick leave. I'm, I've got my period. I'm not at work. Mm. And I've been to four doctors in the same place because there's a shortage of doctors, so you can't change places. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me up to last week to get a referral. It's taken me two years yeah. of going every two months to different doctors. To, different doc- to a different doctor every time. To finally get have someone listen to me yeah. and get a referral. And it shouldn't be like that. <laughs> it shouldn't at all. Yeah. And the the other thing on that, like before I get back to the end of my story, is I really encourage um, anybody to get private health insurance from a, a younger age. Like, um, especially if you even have like period pain niggles or anything like that, or to the ex- extent or extreme that you do have, because it really comes in, in handy later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It takes so long to go through the public. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway. I stopped this and told everybody to um, <laughs> you know like be your own advocate and actually push for that but yeah. um yeah so oh yeah in about 2016 I went on the e-course with Kate and it was awesome it taught me heaps about hormones and um, adrenals and the effects that they had on your hormones and periods and things like that and although I didn't have my period I could relate it to back when I did and um like yeah, and then my period arrived back nine months later, and it was wasn't painful at all. Oh, wow. no! And it wasn't for about the first two years after it arrived back. Oh. And the reason being, and this was the reason why I was put on Provera to stop my period, it was that it goes with the research that um, because endometriosis is a condition where um, the tissue that's meant or the lining that's meant to grow on the inside of your uterus grows on the outside of your uterus it's right, like endometrial yeah. tissue um and then it grows in other areas like your bowel and things like that if it, right. if so it gets nearby to organs and yeah things. yeah yeah and that's what causes the inflammation and in the pain and things and so if i was on that pill and i wasn't menstruating i wasn't the disease wasn't growing and mm-hmm. so then it wasn't causing an issue and that seemed to be the case i didn't have painful periods at all for the first couple of years and it was awesome i was like oh this is so yeah. so great um and i just put it down to the fact that um i ate healthily and i must have got this under control because when i was 17 and things i wouldn't have even known any different you know i was just out drinking with my friends and yeah. stuff because that's what i did in my teens and yeah. um i ate gluten and dairy and high sugar and everything else you know that you um you wouldn't even think about when you're a teenager yeah, no. yeah. um and yeah, it wasn't until the last year that it came back, the pain came back pretty strong. Um, and I had another surgery in July this year, um, and I've had no relief from it. Oh. It's actually got worse, which is real um, challenging. Um, so it's a real, like, I often feel defeated every time I get my period. Yeah, you're like, like hoping this yes. time's going to be different. Yeah. yeah. And then when it's not, I think, well, what's next? Because the only thing there is, is all that you do, like cleaning up your diet and things like that. And then, um, yeah, and I just feel real defeated every time the pain yeah. comes. Mm. But um, it's real challenging for um, women with it because it's a chronic condition. There's absolutely no cure. Yeah. So if you do know anybody who has it or suspects anybody who has it, definitely just um, show that level of compassion towards mm-hmm. them because yeah. it, and everybody experiences the pain differently and, and deals with it differently. Like um, when I am going through the pain, I really try to think of the silver lining behind it, um, which is quite difficult at the time. It's literally all I can do. Um, and I truly believe like... Um, conditions that we have like endometriosis or things that issues within ourselves are actually messages in our body that something's not right or Mm. something's not in alignment or it also an emotional thing that Mm. needs to be released and I could think of many things like throughout my childhood that that could be related to and maybe one day like if those things were worked through completely then it might ease a little bit more but um yeah, it is real challenging. And to be honest, if I didn't have the condition, I can't say that I'd be a very empathetic and compassionate person. <laughs> so it is, it is help. Yeah. yeah, that's a good silver lining yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. Does it, when you have, because um, I get like 
cramps, but they're not like a, a, like I watch Rachel at work and she's like hunched over, mm. like barely able to speak full sentences when she's got her cramps. I don't have it anything like that. When you have cramps, is it, is it like a pain in a certain area, or is it like just your whole lower abdomen, or is it like what? the experience yeah it's um mainly the whole lower abdomen and honestly like i've seen a picture before i'm like yes that's how you can describe it it's like someone stabbing you on both sides of your ovaries with a knife like it actually is just a real dull ache combined with a sharp sharp pain and that's probably maybe some of what you've experienced rachel and that's why you can barely speak full sentences Mm because like i don't know if you feel this way rachel but i if I just don't have the energy to speak or do anything yeah. because I'm just using up all the energy to just like just deal to with like that be. pain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you'd just be, yeah. yeah. Even just lying in bed, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so difficult. Um, but of this year, which is all new to me, I've had experience with pain in my upper abdomen as well, yeah. to the point where I've had to go to the hospital twice because I thought it was my appendix, oh, wow. but it's actually not, it's just, you know, it, and that's actually happened before my period. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's um, yeah, I don't know what it is, whether it's the information or mm. whatever, um, and there's no real answers for it yeah. either. Uh, there's like possibles and things because obviously uh, with endometriosis it affects like gut health as well um and it's actually there is a lara brian has some great research Mm. around it and she has um some research around its um relation to gut microbiome as Mm. well and that it actually is partly due to to like an imbalance in gut flora and your gut microbiome um and that it's causes inflammation and things like that um so that's really interesting because I do definitely notice that um where my diet is better my period pain is better and particularly alcohol if I drink alcohol even a couple of times a month um like one drink because I only drink gin anyway but one drink here and there is fine but if I drink say if I have a couple of nights out where I have four or so drinks I notice my next period is substantially mm, worse. worse and a lot heavier. Mm. Um, and so it is definitely um, related you to diet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is a, probably another silver lining. <laughs> like, I'm, maybe I wouldn't live for as long or something because I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be so aware of, um, you know, the food and things that I yeah. do eat. Yeah. Do you find that really hard? Like, I, I don't, I haven't spoken to anyone about this but when I don't feel well and I feel sick I don't feel like healthy foods I want mm. like toast and lemonade and yeah like mm. those type of food groups and I find it really hard when I'm not feeling well to like make myself eat, some eat a vegetable <laughs> yeah yeah do you find that a struggle as well during my period got... I just I don't actually have an appetite because I'm in mm. so much pain yeah. so I ha- actually have to force myself to eat mm. um and I will force myself to to eat healthily but sometimes even high fiber food isn't good at that time for me so I just do what I can the best that I can and I have to take so many painkillers that I actually have to eat so yeah yeah Yeah, otherwise yeah 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 oh it's such a flow on it is (laughs) and like I for anyone that's listening like I I don't want to um sound as though it's the end of the world because like it is only one week a month and I I do get pain around ovulation and other times of the month but not to the extent of my period pain um and I know that people who live with other chronic conditions can live with it every day of their Mm -hmm. lives so like it's kind of helped me in a way to really cherish the times that I don't have my period and be like right just make the most of this week especially the first week after my period because I'm like yes I feel energized I feel good again and then it's probably the lead up to my period and around ovulation where I do get a bit more pain um that I feel depleted and really fatigued and and low Mm. so to really cherish those um the short time that you do get yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I have two questions, but they're totally unrelated. The first one is, um, when you got surgery the second time, was it the same surgery as you got when you were seventeen, or is it was it different because it's what how many years later? Yeah, it it was different. Um, it was done privately, 
and it wasn't excision surgery, so they actually cut out the endometriosis. But interesting things happened in that surgery too that I've just learned about. So my um, ovary was stuck in tissue, and so... Was that endometriosis tissue? Yeah, and so the surgeon had to, like, cut that out and pull my ovary away and stitch it over my fallopian tube so that um it would stick right and then that's meant to like just come away like stitches just come away um but there's like a 10 percent chance that it wouldn't and that it stays over there but you're not going to know unless you have another surgery yeah um, and also, what? I know, I know <laughs> there's no ivory stuck around, yes. like the visuals in my I brain. Know. It's so like, when he was explaining things to me, I was like, how's it even happen? Yeah. And the same with my bowel was stuck in tissue as well. Yeah. Um, and that can explain quite a bit, like, um, just sort of digestive issues and, and stuff like that. Um, but he also identify that I have a thing called megacolon which means my um intestines like longer than normal (laughs) and he said it's really rare I was like I've never heard of this in my life before (laughs) so yeah that was real interesting yeah oh funny yeah but interesting though I actually only had stage two endometriosis which in his eyes is great like um but the the thing is um and research shows just through studies and stuff that it the stage of endometriosis doesn't um like align with the pain that you get so i don't interesting because i always think oh man if i had stage five endometriosis i'd be like dying yeah um but sometimes people can actually go symptomless and they just for some reasons like can't get pregnant or anything like that and that's how it's identified through that way yeah yeah so what do the what makes the stages is it just how much yeah outside of the Yep, and the areas that they are. So uh, the further it is around your organs, um, the higher the higher stage, stage of endometriosis. And is there five stages? Or yeah, yeah, five stages, yeah. Wow. And my other question was, does it affect um, wanting pregnancy, getting pregnant, or yeah. and pre- being pregnant, do you know? Yeah, it does. I um, So it affects I'm not sure that it affects actually getting pregnant right I think it affects holding the pregnancy um I can't remember why I have read it in the millions of things that I've read (laughs) but um it is like a lot of women have miscarriages or actually they don't get pregnant because it what the um what it can do is it causes an excess of estrogen and so therefore progesterone's out of balance mm-hmm. with estrogen mm-hmm. and it can also sometimes cause shorter luteal phases so that doesn't allow time for a baby to grow or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and like don't quote me on all of this but this is actually <laughs> like some stuff I have, have read about it but it does affect fertility and mm-hmm. the reason people get surgery is for pain for pain relief yeah but they also recommend that you get pregnant within six months after surgery oh. um, because there's like virtually no endometriosis there kind yeah. of like increases your chances as such yeah yeah, yeah increases your chances yeah. but there's like um a lot of people find it challenging to get pregnant who have endometriosis but i've known like so many stories of people who have had it found it difficult to get pregnant, and then I've had four children after that. So it's, um, and another thing is, like, a common thing that doctors say is that um, pregnancy heals it, or not, or stops it, and I guess that's the whole thing about not getting your period so it can't grow during that time. Um, And everybody's experience is so different as well. Mm. And once you've had your baby, it it comes back, or... Yeah, as soon as you get your period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's... Well, yeah, once you stop breastfeeding yeah. or when you get your period, again, mm. it kind of... But also, it depends because hormones can change with True. pregnancy. Mm. So yeah. that it might actually completely heal it for, for some people. Yeah. Um, and the surgery can heal it for some people as well. Oh, yeah, That it doesn't come back, yeah. Um, so you went privately to get the surgery. Did you decide who it was that you went to for the surgery or were you working with like a specialist before you went to the surgeon to the surgery or how does 
I just, yeah, through my doctor, I just asked what private options were available. Yeah. Because um, I actually, I only just got private health insurance three years ago and only just rolled over this year to be able to get surgery. So oh. I did that without getting, like, when I got health insurance three years ago was when I wasn't getting painful periods at all. But I just had this feeling or thought, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get health insurance just in case. Because yeah. with a pre-existing condition, I had to wait three years. Um, and so I just asked my doctor what um, private options were available. And then through Churchill, a guy, um, Dr. John Short, which is actually awesome. <laughs> By the way, he's a really good surgeon. Um, he works out through Oxford Women's in Christchurch, but he does clinic here and surgery here oh. once a month. Oh, so okay. he'll do surgery on a Tuesday and then um, his patients on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, so I've had a couple of follow-ups with him since then, but yeah, he's great. Yeah. That's, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder how that work when, and yeah, honestly, when you don't get put through the system. Yeah. And it was, wasn't even a question. Like, I had my first appointment with him, and he asked me just my experience. And um, over the last few months, it was like the last six months, and I told him, and he's like, oh, he looked at my um, background information, he's like, oh, I'll book you in for a surgery within a couple of months. <laughs> it wow. wasn't even like I had to fight for it or anything. I was ah. like... I was like prepared to go in there and be like, look, yeah. I'm getting a surgery. <laughs> but yeah, there was no question. So obviously oh, he amazing. works with um, women with it all the time and just knows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so great. I read this, Jono actually sent me this article earlier this morning. It was on News Hub about um, how lots of women who are getting referred from their doctors to go through the public system just to even have um, surgery to find out if they've got endo are getting turned away mm. because they're not meeting enough of the criteria and they don't have the people like to see to see yeah yeah all like, these people that mm-hmm. are getting turned away yeah it's so sad oh it's very upsetting I, I think I've read that same article. I think Marty actually sent it to me um, as well and it is said that yeah they are getting turned away and the or and during COVID, I think it was as well. There were women who were booked in for surgery, and now they're just like behind on the waiting list. Yeah, it would be heartbreaking. It's, yeah, yeah, God. Yeah. yeah. The article also talked about Australia and how Australia has worked out how much the cost it's having on um, the country, mm. like the productivity wise, productivity wise, and all of that, and how they've put all this extra funding towards being able to see people and also towards research and stuff like that and how they're like this is something that needs to be um research. a focus point yeah. a focus point yeah and articles like new zealand needs to do this too <laughs> yes it's, it's so true though it's not well researched at the moment and there is growing research with it but not enough um for the people who are suffering like yeah. you know it doesn't match the amount of people that suffer yeah yeah so true Mm. um after the surgery like recovery from it how long did it take you to sort of recover forever forever? (laughs) (laughs) no it's actually interesting because um when I was 17 and had the surgery I remember spending like two days on the couch and that was enough like I was still a bit fragile and stuff for probably up to a week um and but yeah I just spent two days on the couch literally doing nothing and then I knew that being older, like being 32, I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, recovery would be a little bit harder. But um, it was so hard. <laughs> I, um, but I kind of didn't allow myself to properly stop. Like I had surgery and then I, I stayed overnight and then I went home that next afternoon and I spent that afternoon at home. And then the next day, I was like, right, Maddie, let's go for a walk. I, I walked like five minutes down the road. I was like, I've got to go back home. <laughs> it was That's so bad. Was a mistake. <laughs> it was like, I was in so much pain. Oh. And it was quite a windy day. And I was like, I couldn't um, push against the wind. Like, I actually couldn't walk. Yeah. I couldn't lift my legs properly, like, oh. to actually move. And... Yeah, that, and then I was like, oh man, this is like way worse than I expected. Yeah. Um, but also I think being like obviously wear and tear and things, um, and I possibly was under quite a bit of stress without realising prior to the surgery. And I think the anaesthetic actually um, affected my recovery oh, quite okay. a bit because 
I don't think we realise, but putting that much drugs in our system actually affects the adrenal system quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I was just dizzy and nauseous and um, really fatigued for like probably a good month. Yeah, um, really. Like the pain eased after three or so weeks. Like I stopped taking painkillers after that. And then, um, yeah, but it wasn't until like, a month where I felt a little bit half normal um actually and then six weeks it was like oh yeah I had my best day where I was like oh man I feel a little bit happy again (laughs) um and then I didn't get back into like training and stuff properly until at least after two months and things yeah Yeah. but yeah it was eh? way longer than what I expected it to Mm be Mm. yeah Mm. You kind of think, oh, I know that I know that surgery is obviously, I've never had surgery, so I'm not like well up on the play of surgery, but you know it's going to be a big deal, but you kind of think, oh, a couple of weeks I'll be right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's exactly how I felt. Mm, yeah. And even though I thought I'd be out for a little bit, I didn't think. The hardest thing was my, like my brain wouldn't work like it usually would. Yeah. And like in teaching, it has to. Yeah. <laughs> you have no choice and you have to be up and you have to be, you know, on the go 24-7. Yeah. And um, it just wouldn't like work to the extent that I was used to. And I was like trying to do all I, was, you, I usually would do. And I think that exhausted me even more yeah. and, and led even more to a bit Did of you go back to work pretty much? Yeah, I think away. I had two weeks off then I got a tummy bug which like said that, yeah mm-hmm. so um yeah I had probably yeah two weeks off properly and then a few days here and there after that yeah yeah, yeah but I would definitely recommend anyone who's getting surgery to take at least three weeks off yeah, yeah. give yourself that yeah time. yeah definitely yeah, <laughs> it seems it's like not a like positive thing to talk about. And it's like no, but honestly, and I think that's the reality that we have to face with it. It actually isn't positive. It actually crap. And like you can think of silver linings, and like I'm so grateful for my life in every other area. But there's actually no thing good about it. Like mm. it actually isn't. It's um painful. There's no cure. It's um mm. yeah. You just the yeah. Just hoping each yeah. month that it might be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you got your period again and you didn't have pain for like two years, were you having regular cycles? No. Oh, okay. I wasn't, um, which I just put down to the fact that I hadn't had my period for so many years, so mm-hmm. it would take time to balance out. And then I also thought, oh, maybe I'm training too much again or not eating enough or whatever. So I, like, made sure, made sure I was real diligent with that. And I was definitely, like, at a healthy weight and um, probably even above my usual healthy weight. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is pretty weird. Um, and so I still hadn't had regular periods for um, the whole time until up until six months ago but oh. also six months ago is when I um got diagnosed with polycystic ovaries yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. so I didn't realize I had it oh. um and it wasn't until surgery and some blood tests that I had before surgery that I was diagnosed with it oh. um so that obviously was explaining the um lack Irregular. of periods yeah, <laughs> yeah. right yeah. so 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 endo can affect your cycle like irregularities or not, is it more not so usually. that's more yeah. down to the PCOS that was yeah. doing that yeah so you know it doesn't usually like um it, like irregular cycles isn't a symptom of endometriosis right okay but yeah polycystic ovaries is and the two combined um lead to very long cycles yeah. very painful yeah. <laughs> yeah cycles yeah oh, um polycystic ovaries is a lot easier to manage yeah. also more common mm. and the symptoms for what what i would be classed as lean pcos is um you definitely go undiagnosed for a while because people don't you don't have the common symptoms of pcos like the excess facial hair and and um a larger body frame and things like that so mm. Yeah, because it's an insulin-related condition. Mm-hmm. So what happens is um, things like if you eat a diet too high in carbohydrate or you've got too high stress or um, there's about three, uh, four root causes or something um, of it, it affects your your insulin levels, it compete with 
testosterone I think it is mm. or compete with one of the hormone levels mm. creating an excess of testosterone which stops ovulation from happening mm. yeah yeah fun times <laughs> it is fun oh. times but both things like um endometriosis and polycystic ovaries they do have strategies to yeah. help manage mm. that yeah, yeah. So what do you focus on nutrition-wise for, I guess you've got to combine the two because you can't just focus on one. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's real difficult actually and because I have a history of hypothalamic amenorrhea that I need to make sure that I'm eating enough. You've got to all the things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's probably what caused them all, Amy. Right, right. Gotcha. <laughs> no, definitely um, from not having my period for so long, I think caused post-cystic ovaries because yeah. you can get like what's called post-pill closest ovaries mm. yeah so I definitely think that that was a contributor but um it yeah it is real difficult so I have to balance eating enough with like anti-inflammatory for mm. endo but also low carbohydrate with um polycystic ovaries because that's the whole insulin yeah. level thing mm. so the way I manage that is like I just stick to what like a pretty like whole food diet mm. in general um i have gluten like once a week <clears throat> when i go to ritual and have like um sourdough yeah, yeah bread which is my favorite um but yeah i stick to whole food diet so that's like the number one thing um and then for breakfasts which is the most important um meal with polycystic ovaries i always stick to a high fat high protein and um just a real low carbohydrate so i might even have like a quarter of a banana or um like half a cup of blueberries or something like that um unless i'm having my breakfast which has bread in it and things so just sticking with like eggs and um protein like powder or actually i just use a collagen um with like avocado and stuff like that just good fats and things Mm -hmm. um and then i always have to eat um Every meal, I have to have a balance of all of the macronutrients. I have to have a balance of protein, carbohydrates, fiber, and um, fat, because then that actually slows your insulin response from spiking too high. Um, And I guess that contributes to helping um, endometriosis as well. Mm. They say to stick with like a low inflammatory diet, so things like limiting red meat with endometriosis. I don't cut it out completely. Um, I have it when I crave it really and that's probably like once or twice a month at yeah. the most mm. Mm, yeah. and then yeah no gluten and dairy and things but I've been gluten and dairy um, free for years anyway right. just through feeling better from yeah. it um, and I used to get really bad migraines when I didn't get my period actually and so that's when I st- stopped eating gluten and dairy to try and see if it was that um, and they did minimise so yeah. there's probably something like there. Oh, that's so interesting. You have to be. Sounds like you have to be so organised to be able to make sure that you've got all those macronutrients mm. and everything in every meal. Do you have like meal plans for the week, or how do you organise yourself for that? Yeah, it takes a lot of brain power. Yeah, and it, can, it, it consumes me, especially when it comes to end of a term. I'm just like. I just am done with thinking about it. I wish I could just go buy my lunch and just not have to worry about it or anything like that. But, um, yeah, kind of organized. I don't plan my um, meals out because I still like to eat a little bit, like, intuitively. Yeah, Yeah, like like, how you're feeling. Yeah, I feel like some kumara today or whatever. Um, But I do always have – I always have, like, leftovers from dinner and then Mm. have those for lunch. Um, I make – like a double batch of a smoothie in the morning and just have one of those afternoon tea and those sorts of things but in all honesty Marty's awesome my partner's like really great (laughs) yeah he does all the cooking um that's nice and well yeah most of the cooking at the moment and um also just is really helpful with like prepping my meals and making sure that I'm eating right because it he has to see me in the state <laughs> and he sees me every like month and he feels completely helpless so yeah. actually nothing he can do so like that's his way of like helping in yeah. a way yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so true and it is like it yeah if you had to go about that just on your own it would be so difficult you need that support system to like help you out yeah definitely Keep and that's that's a key um thing is 
like if you're going through any chronic condition, not just endometriosis or any issue like polycystic ovaries, is like like get your support system on board because you can't do it on your own. No. Like you can try, but <laughs> it actually doesn't work, and it like you end up breaking down all the time, and it's just yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely unsustainable. Yeah. Um. So yeah, nutritionally eating a whole food diet is um my number one go-to and just balancing out meals with um macros mm. uh, like all yeah three or four macros and also um not overeating or undereating is really yeah, yeah. a key um to inflammation and also just insulin response so I have to be really diligent of how I, if I don't eat enough throughout the day I end up overeating like mm. after school and then that actually causes like insulin like imbalance and things so I have to be really diligent but and you do like quite a lot of like training yeah. as well on top yeah. of that so you've got to try and make sure you've got enough fuel for that as yeah. well so that's my biggest work on and challenge is right. because high intensity training can be really great for polycystic ovaries if you um have an insulin related one and not an adrenal one is your root cause mm-hmm. um if you want to know more about the root causes just look up the um polycystic or oh, the pcos nutritionist she's got some more information oh, about yeah. that but there's different root causes and one of them can be adrenals and so that your um your body's under too much stress that it's affecting like in your insulin response and your adrenals aren't working sufficiently yeah. um and so mine's a combination of the adrenal and the insulin one right. so um yeah I have to be really onto it with how I'm training, and that's the one thing at the moment I just can't let go of. Yeah. I've definitely cut back like a lot, um, and I'm just kind of trying to find my sweet spot in a way. But um, so yeah, high intensity training can be really helpful for some types of polycystic ovaries, but really inhibitive for others, and really not good for endometriosis. Yeah, I was going to say, what is it for endo? Yeah, because it causes inflammation just through what <laughs> yeah. you're doing, and um, yeah, and then the inflammation just hangs around and I'm just always in pain and oh, things. Yeah. And then that causes, like, worse periods when they do come and yeah, things. But yeah. like I said, I'm, I'm learning to manage it a little bit more and um, not train in my luteal phase um, to any high intensity yeah. and just do, like, one one um, workout where I go just all out and just not even worry about the intensity and then all other ones keep below 70 percent um which has taken a lot (laughs) of um like trial and error because you're you want to live your life linear but you've got to live it in this cycle with your and if you've got regular cycles or whatever you can't like as i'm struggling with at the moment is that i keep booking or doing things that are quite high intensity in my luteal phase, but I can't avoid them. Like I did a run at the end of last month, like right at the end of my luteal phase, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't got my period yet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is not going to be good. And then the other cycle has been extra long. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can pretty much pinpoint that that was that intense exercise, like a four hour, 20 K, uh, half marathon, in the trail run is not going to be mm. <laughs> not gonna but were you training for that leading up to yes I was that'll be it yeah because it's not actually like say for example um like you said you hadn't got your period yet and then you got it but it's actually the three months beforehand that you got to yeah. think about yeah 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 like the three months leading up to mm. yeah yeah oh. it is challenging though it is like I um athletes and things like I mean they must have to have really good periods because <laughs> or just not have them at all yeah. because it must be like yeah quite challenging energy wise and things but the more I've tuned in and actually listened to my body like we I don't think we realize how much adrenaline we run off mm. and then your body doesn't actually know what's going on because you're just like producing all this adrenaline and behind the scenes what the heck is even going on <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I think um, I think also it's hard. It's it's hard to work in this cyclical nature, like trying so hard, but because the rest of the world is not working mm. in that way, and it's hard to try and make that fit in society as it is today, mm. and like for people to be understanding and stuff. Mm. Like that's another. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I feel like. Um, 
we can only do the best we can do. Yes. Okay? So like in regards to like my work life will not mm. work around my cycle. Like no. I just have to do what I have I to know, do. But at home I can um, yes. be more restorative and meditate more and um, in my luteal phase and things. That's so we've got yeah. the control. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think work is the hardest place. Oh gosh, yeah. To like pull back yeah. and you don't have the energy or brain power. Yeah, to get everything, and that's often like on the most hectic week of work, or when mm-hmm. everyone is coming to you, and that's mm. yeah, that's really difficult actually. Um, with me particularly with work because like I when I was first given my job, like I didn't have any issues. Like my when I first was um, awarded the job at Bahali, I didn't have any problem with period pain or anything like that. You know, I didn't need sick days, and it's yes. only been in the last like year that I I have needed more sick days because there's absolutely no way in that first couple of days of my period that I can actually be in front of a classroom and be effective at all because yeah. I'm just in so much pain. Yeah. 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 Um. Are your is your workplace really accepting of that? Are oh, they yeah. understanding? They're really good. Like, I'm pretty lucky, actually. Um, really understanding and, yeah, we'll go, I've got a good work crew that's, here at our school. Good. I honestly, yeah, I've got a really caring work crew, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, it's probably more so me. I mm. feel so, not disappointed in myself, but and not guilty in any sense like that, but it's more like... I feel inadequate in a way because I'm like, oh, I just can't be that today or I can't do that or, mm. you know, I feel like I've let people down and yeah. that kind And of you thing. know you can do better. Yeah. If you were on, yeah. it would be like... It would you'd... have been, yeah. 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 The frustration. And, like, <laughs> I definitely understand, like, um, how frustrating it can be for other work colleagues when you're away mm-hmm. because when you're away from the, like you guys know what you're like when we're relievers in it like year seven eight age group like mm. you know what it's like for the rest of the school have <laughs> to pick up the pieces and often there won't be available relievers so my class will have to get split across the school and stuff like that so I that's probably more so my mm. own like I feel so bad <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah. you're doing the right thing yeah it's all I can do though yeah, exactly. and I guess I've kind of been at peace with that it's not like I'm just taking a day off just because you know oh, <laughs> you don't want I'm to go tired in. today yeah. yeah it's actually to the point where I'm actually the no use at all like even if I had a little bit of minimal pain that I could manage with um I would go in but it's to the point where I just can't mm-hmm. yeah the only thing I can do is lie in bed and yeah that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know it's such not a positive thing. <laughs> no, no I, I I guess like even um, chatting about it. My reason for bringing awareness to it is to urge people to like like I said earlier to mm. be your own advocate and and know that things aren't normal for you. Mm. And even if you are a sensitive person with a low pain threshold or whatever, that do keep trying because. Mm. It, you shouldn't have to live in pain no. as well. And also seek support like mentally and emotionally around it if you don't have a good support system like in your house or whatever. Mm. Like there's um, endometriosis awareness groups. There's heaps of um, like people on Instagram as well who have accounts. And like I follow, I've like begun following a few people that I find really good and some I find really hard because it brings when I don't have my period and I can see they're posting about things that bring them down it brings me down mm. so there's only a couple of accounts that I will actually follow in in some of the groups I find really challenging and not negative in the way but I'm a very empathetic person and so if someone's sharing their story with me when they're down and not feeling so good I like take that on yes. and, and like yeah, yeah good luck mm. after your own self and your yes, own energy exactly. yeah you got to choose when you can look at those things and when you can't yeah 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 do you find when you because you're obviously a person who researches <laughs> yeah. or do you find when you start researching that you get overwhelmed with all the information or is there a lot of not enough information like you find it hard to find information or there's actually endometriosis is the one thing that I've researched that all of the research aligns there's nothing contradicting wow. um, and there's not actually that much of it yeah so um, I don't feel too overwhelmed with researching that it's more so 
I feel discouraged sometimes researching it because it'll talk about having problems with fertility and things yeah. like that. And I just don't even want to think about that or put that in like my mind, you know, yeah, I just, yeah. you know, want to keep as positive as I can and things. So yeah. that's with that one. But with polycystic ovaries, that is like quite overwhelming. There's yeah. so many different um, routes you can go down and there's so yeah. many because it's like um, more common there's so many different accounts that tell you to do all these different things yeah. and I'm just like not even <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know just, definitely yeah because yeah. yeah. when I was learning um, fertility awareness method with uh, instructor um, she said oh your cycles indicate that you potentially have PCOS mm. but obviously you need to get blood tested and all that sort of stuff and I did get my blood test and it was like my LH was higher than my FSH. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I haven't like got fully properly diagnosed mm. by a doctor or anything. Uh, and so I started following some PCOS accounts on Instagram and it just gets overwhelming because they all tell you something different. Like one mm. person saying, don't touch zinc. And then another person saying, zinc is like the best thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, mm. <laughs> how many of you are doctors? Because I am overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, supplement-wise, it's really difficult because, like, it, yeah, some can be really contradictory of others, like, with accounts and things like yeah. that. But, yeah, I definitely recommend to see, like, a um, health professional, yeah. not a doctor, but a really good naturopath yeah. or something like you that. You see yeah. a naturopath? Or... Yeah, and she's awesome, like, amazing. She's actually on maternity leave at the moment, which sucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I need you, uncle. <laughs> no, but it's actually good. It's good in the sa- at the same time because it's made me like have to trust my body more yeah. as opposed to what's a good supplement for this when I get a new symptom or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but like I wouldn't recommend any supplements, but like ones that I take for um, – that I've found quite beneficial for me for endometriosis is a high dose turmeric. Oh, yeah. Like a, yeah, anti for, yeah, anti inflammatory and also like a um, fish oil. Um, magnesium's good for anything. Yeah. Um, and B vitamins and NAC, which is in enocetylcysteine or something like that, uh, which is like a, I, th- I don't know if it's an amino acid, but it's also an anti inflammatory. Right. And recently, just in COVID, I started taking DIM, which is a like basically broccoli sprout mm. and it helps detoxify the liver. Mm. Um, but all of this stuff was um, prescribed to me by my mm. naturopath and I had DNA testing to see my methylation pathways and to see my liver detoxification pathways and my caffeine metabolism and everything. Oh, wow. So yeah. really interesting. Yeah. But one um, thing with series that I would say no one would say no to with supplement wise is myonositol. It helps your body ovulate um. and it like helps your body utilize insulin correctly. Um, and I also started taking that in lockdown and I don't know if it was the dim or if it was that, but my um, period has been regular ever since wow. then. Oh, um, cool. But I feel as though it's possibly the dim more so because yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually went off it for a month I stopped taking dim for a month and um I ovulated later uh-huh. um not too many days later than um normal but yeah I did ovulate later, later which is yeah interesting yeah it's such like a balancing act mm. and it's difficult when you add in a couple of things at once to know what's helped, yeah what hasn't what yeah. do I continue I agree what do I stop yeah because <laughs> you don't want to like keep spending all this money on no. supplements and stuff no. but um yeah I really recommend seeing a naturopath or yeah a natural um practitioner a holistic even, yeah holistic so one test that's really good that I actually haven't done yet, but I'm meaning to to do because it'll give me even more information hormone-wise is the Dutch test, which you guys oh, probably have heard yeah. of. Heaps of um, podcasts talk about it, actually. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember what the acronym it is for, but it um, does a variety of hormone pathways and things. Yeah. yeah. And in our region, like I don't know so much about really good naturopaths. I had a really yeah, great one that's... in Perth. Um, and then my one who I have um, now, Abby, but who is on maternity leave, but she actually um, practiced in Melbourne. But I also have seen Tim Yoram Mapua. 
Oh, and yeah. he's great too. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you know if your naturopath is going to be good? <laughs> yeah, I think the great thing with Abby is like we went to school together and we already had a relationship. Right. And, um, it was sort of like she's just so dedicated to like researching women's hormones and yeah. she's so passionate about it and yeah, no, like I've been interested from that yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah, so yeah. awesome and she works so like hard and I'm so grateful for that but um and I think yeah if you can get like develop a really good relationship with one of your um you know holistic health practitioners it'd be awesome yeah yeah, yeah it's really tricky and yeah tricky being in a small place yeah but there are great ones online like Mm. obviously they can't do any Mm. testing like what timur does like muscle testing and stuff like that but they can really meet your needs through understanding your symptoms Mm. and and things like that i also have um I, i think i talked to you guys last time about my health coach who I have, and we do it online, and Mm. I actually knew her from Perth, but she's a naturopath, and she's just finished her um, study, but she's also just finished her psychology degree, so she's like, like, you know, a combination of everything too, which I have her in my support system as well, which is awesome, so. Mm. That's so great. Mm. Um, Is that your month? No, I I have um actually I have worked with yep I've worked with um Sarah but that was more so around um oh Sarah her name is actually sorry um that was more so around polycystic ovaries um, nutrition oh okay like PCOS nutrition yeah you had mentioned that you were just going to talk to her or something like that Mm. and she was great too like I learned a few little things off her but I already had the basis of the knowledge which was awesome so I didn't need to continue working with her yeah whereas like with Claire um who is my online health coach I work with her continuously because I just download every week to her and I think that's really important when you're suffering chronic condition yeah 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 Yeah. oh that's fantastic oh man (laughs) I know (laughs) just like yeah top tips be your advocate yeah um you know whole food nutrition and get your support yeah support network yeah and find good health professionals yeah yeah health Mm. professionals yeah definitely yeah yeah some really good tips Cool. Do you have any questions? No, I think I'm questioned out. I think I'm yeah. questioned out too. Yes, yeah, sorry guys, I've like dampened the mood. <laughs> no, no yeah, for no, a Monday. No, no it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is really interesting because it is often one of those things that yeah, like one in ten people suffer, but you don't know who those one in ten yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah. You know, often people will say to me, oh, oh yeah, I've got endo, but they don't really want to talk about it any further, and yes. I don't Which want to is... be like, what is it? Like, um, what, what's that like? <laughs> no, I yeah. definitely just yeah. want to bring way more awareness yeah. about it to people, and, and like, you guys are like me as well, and the fact that you just want to normalise period talk, mm-hmm. and oh, that, yeah. you know, like, if it was a guy that had chronic pain, surely he wouldn't have it. Imagine a research. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much yeah, for thank coming. Yeah, you for coming. Really yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoy. Um, if you do you want to tell, what is it called when they you tell your things? Oh, your details? Yeah, but I don't think it's yeah, called that. It's not. Um, um, plug, plug your stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you mean my Instagram thing? Yes. yes. You know, I'm actually taking a break oh. now, but only until the end. So I did this last year at the end of a school term where I just took a month off um, any social media. Like I'm still on um, Messenger for Instagram, uh, for Facebook and stuff. And also I don't really love Facebook, so I don't scroll there anyway. Yeah. Um, and because I'm on like groups, like CrossFit groups that have events and things like that, so I have to just um, be up to date with that, but no, I've taken a month off. um, So you you don't look at it at all? No, uh, I I get emails, interestingly, because you're not, um, because I'm not checking my messages and stuff, so it'll have... um, send me emails saying this person sent you a message on Instagram and so I'm like oh actually I need to check oh, that one yeah, um, so I'll go and check that but no I haven't scrolled I haven't checked it oh, this wow. has been my so I've done two weeks and I I definitely miss it and I have so much time <laughs> but um, it's actually awesome too because like I'm really connecting like yeah. to myself and just 
the kids that I have in my class for the end of this year, you know, like I've only got two more weeks with them mm. left and I really want to connect with them. And it's not the fact that I'm not on my phone in class, it's more so I'm way more present yeah. with, with them yeah. um, as opposed to thinking about Instagram and my finding your beauty because I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. And so I'll be like thinking about kids in class, but then also trying to yeah. think about clients and things like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, finding your beauty is my Instagram account and um, yeah, yeah. Da- uh, www.danacrosby.com is my um, website and I'm just thinking about and I spoke to Marty about this that I might do a tab within my website sort of like the endo diaries sort of thing to just uh, like just paint a bit of a picture of experience on just any day that I feel like writing or anything. That's a really cool idea. Mm -hmm. Because it's a bit of an ability to download and also give people experience as well Mm, um, of other people's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do like reading other people's perspectives um, because I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one, you know. And the other thing is people, I feel like some people would like downplay it to themselves since the downplay sometimes the pain to themselves to think mm. oh it's not that bad but yes. then if you like hear other people who have similar experiences you can be like mm, maybe I should get that yeah. looked at yeah. yep definitely yeah. 100% yep sooner rather than later yeah yeah because even if you are getting really bad period pain and things like it's not normal so no. it's due to something like yeah yeah so in the quicker you get onto it the quicker you get to relief yeah mm. exactly cool exactly. Oh, awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. No worries. Um, we'll see you next week. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Basically, being better. Basically, every day, being every day better. Every day, give it your best. of just like asking like tell us about your experience with endometriosis yeah so, that's pretty good actually yes it's like all i can give really yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> experience. exactly yeah. exactly cool